Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I went down the hall and got Cody Westerlin away from his desk because I wanted to talk about the Bulls and where things sit in the season. You've been on the front lines of trying to figure out what's going on with this team. How would you assess where they are at this point in the season? It's a complete disappointment, Lawrence. As we sit here and talk now, they're 10 and 19, a team that wanted to contend for a playoff spot. And it's not that difficult to contend for the eight seed in the Eastern Conference, which has four or five pretty strong teams and then is uh, wide open after that. But this is a Bulls team that we expected with the additions of Sadoransky and Thad Young having these veteran guys come in here, take more minutes, and then the development of the younger guys to, to look like they know what they're doing in crunch time, to have composure down the stretch of games. And that's really been their problem, uh, if you want to pinpoint one thing. I mean, that's not to say the Bulls don't have many problems, but to pinpoint one thing, they've just melted down in the fourth quarter so many times. On at least six occasions this year, they've blown an eight-point lead in the fourth quarter, a lot of those coming in the final five or six minutes of games. And I know it's the NBA. Everyone can make a run. You have eight-point leads in the fourth quarter. You're supposed to win that game. You have 26-point leads against the Thunder in the first half. You're supposed to win that game. So I just go back to they're really disorganized. They're a mess late in games. And, you know, that's an indictment on the coaching staff and the players both from top to bottom. So why haven't they figured some of this stuff out? It's not as if we're talking about a first-year coach. I mean, he he had a lot of time to work with a bunch of these players. And, yeah. sure, you're adding in rookies, and Wendell was injured for, for most of the year last year. But why are we still seeing some of the collapses? That's the million-dollar question. I don't think anyone has an answer. We asked Zach Levine. We've asked Thad Young recently that, Wendell Carter Jr., and every single one of their answers is, if I knew, I'd tell you, and before I told you, I'd tell the coaching staff and my teammates, you know what I mean? So uh, I can't pinpoint all of it, but it is a team that they seem to change their mindset at times throughout games and get away from what gave them success for moments in time almost to be like, I need to get mine now or something. And this is just one example, and you can cherry pick hundreds of them, but the Bulls were up like 20 on the Thunder on Monday night on the road playing really well. Zach Levine attacking the basket. Larry Markin had a good start. I think he had about 13 points in that game, but a lot came early. And then Thad Young had a couple possessions where he's like, I'm just going to post up and see what I can do here, which if that happens, that's fine, but not at the expense of a better possession for Markkinen or Levine in that situation. And they don't understand that just because you're up 20 doesn't mean the next possession isn't the most important one of the game. They seem to rest on their laurel sometimes, uh, when they do get those leads. And then in the fourth quarter, we talked about this a lot. Like Zach Levine, it's been interesting to watch him because even though he's, you know, he's in the sixth year, seventh year in the NBA now, um, for him, he's still learning and growing here. And it doesn't always seem like he knows what he wants to do in the fourth quarter because he doesn't want to be a ball hog, but then he sees his teammates getting bad shots. So then he forces it a little bit. And like this is all just, it's like a snowball effect in many ways for the Bulls, and they just don't seem to be, again, the same team that they found success with, what they're operating in for maybe the first three quarters of the game. They tighten up a little bit, and they're not as focused. And the flip side is defenses do, they're more attentive in the fourth quarter with the game on the line a little bit, but that's still not an excuse, you know? Like, you have to be equally as focused in what you're doing from an offensive standpoint, 
And that's why I like Zach Levine sometimes. You know, we see him miss a couple game-winning shots against the Raptors when he goes to the hoop, against the Pacers when he chooses to pull up. And then he does get one against the Clippers when he goes to the hoop. So, uh, again, it comes back to that organization, I think, a lot of it. They just seem in disarray so many times. But it's hard to pinpoint, again, why. And I don't think youth is an excuse at this point, even though they are one of the three youngest teams in the NBA. Like, the guys they have on the floor late in games have played a lot of basketball. What did you make of what Thad Young said last week about maybe thinking that his experience with the Bulls would be different than it actually is? Well, I'm not completely surprised because until you're here, you don't understand all the day-to-day drama that can come with uh, this team and this market and the expectations, especially for a team having to make the playoffs and then not having success early. It's not surprising that there's some hard feelings and people starting to think a little more for me rather than the team. And that's not to say that, like, Thad Young isn't a team-first player because that's what he's been his whole career. But it's also not shocking either that everyone wants more minutes. I was actually a little more surprised with the Thad Young um, minutes drama here about how much the Bulls didn't want that to come out. Like, Joe Cali did a good job reporting it, and, like, they, they were, like, kind of worried that he reported it in a way. It's like, who cares? Every player in the NBA wants more minutes. You know what I mean? So anytime you have something, you know, land in the headline, like, he might want out if he doesn't get more minutes, that's, I can see why you'd be upset or, or worried about that. But really, it's like, shrug your shoulders, move on. Keep playing him 21 minutes a game is what I would do. And that's not what the Bulls did the first night or two after this became a storyline. They actually played Thad Young a lot. Lowry Markkinen sat for 15 straight minutes in that game, and then that turned into a really big deal because Lowry Markkinen was playing his best basketball of the year. But the couple games since, Lowry Markkinen's played a lot of minutes. He had a season-high 39 uh, minutes here recently. Thad Young staying around that 21, 22, 23 mark the last couple games. So that's what I do. Like Wendell Carter Jr. and Lowry Markkinen need those minutes because they are your future. And I don't have a problem if you want to get that young a few more minutes in a three-big-man rotation. That's cool. That's cool. But then, at the same time, you'd be doing that at the expense of Daniel Gafford, who's impressed a little bit here off the bench in his role, when his role is blocking shots and dunking, which he seems to accept. So it comes back to a difficult balance for the Bulls between win now and development, and those are two objectives that are really difficult to both prioritize at the same time. Like, it's a fine needle to thread there to try to do that perfectly, and they seem stuck in the middle sometimes. What did you think of of Pax talking with the, the, the beat writers about this team? Like, what was what was the goal that was trying to be accomplished with that? The goal, I think, was just there was just an absolute uproar over Jim Boylan's job security in many ways. Like, this can't possibly keep going like this. You know what I mean? So I think he wanted to take a little bit of heat off Jim Boylan. I think that was the main purpose. Now, the problem for Pax anytime he speaks publicly is that because the Bulls haven't accomplished much on the court at all in recent years and under his watch have never won a championship, never gone to the NBA Finals, only gone to the Eastern Conference Finals once— because of that lack of high-level success, no matter what he says to the fan base, it's pretty much falling on deaf ears now. So uh, even though I, I like the idea, I think he needed to talk. I think it was overdue. He should have done it probably a week or two earlier even. I think any time an executive talk is helpful for rebuilding teams. Like you should stay out of the camera and the limelight when your team is having success. And when it's really bad, you should go take some heat, you know. So I think he wanted to take the heat off of Jim Boylan. And just really, 
it was his time to talk at some point. You know, like he talks at Christmas every year, it seems like, with David Schuster um, for a year. So at some point in the season, he gives midseason updates. But I thought mainly it was to try to quell the uproar, which I don't think it's really. The Bulls, you know, you tip the basketball another game Thursday, or Monday night and Oklahoma City comes and, you know, the Fury's back. So it only goes so far until you start winning. You've done a good job throughout your time of covering this particular Bulls team of pointing out some of the places where Jim Boylan can be better at his job. What sticks out at you as being problematic from what he does on the sidelines? I don't believe he respects the rhythm of the game for his players enough. And by that, I mean using Larry Markin as an example, sitting for 14 minutes and 47 seconds straight in a game, getting reinserted with 358 left in a close game, and trying to make that last push like he's been on the bench for more than 15 minutes that's like 35 minutes of real time you know what I mean after he'd had a good start there and you know Tom Thibodeau was so structured in his rotations like you know Taj Gibson's coming in off the bench whatever it is at the five minute mark the three minute mark every single game here's my first guard off the bench and everyone knew exactly every single night Uh, what their role was going to be, what was expected of them. These guys don't always know that. Denzel Valentine didn't understand why he was on the bench for the first two-thirds of the season to date, and then in the last six or eight games has come off the bench and been a really um, key piece to the rotation, one of the better players for the Bulls lately. And it doesn't seem like one night Jim Boylan will just, you know, throw Shaq Harrison in there for 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. One night Ryan Archidiakono. Uh, is closing a game for the Bulls, and the next night he's not. And I understand you do have to play matchups. This is a young team, so you can't always have your plan work out to perfection. But rhythm matters so much to these guys. They want to know their role, their structure, their responsibility. They want to know their playing time. Like They want to know, like, in crunch time, if they've done their job, generally speaking, for that game, that they're going to play in crunch time and play for the last seven or eight minutes of the game. Like, Lowry Marketing shouldn't have to go – 8 of 10 and score 20 points in the first half to earn crunch time minutes. Like, he should just check back in at that 7 or 8-minute mark. And I don't always know that he has a feel and the rhythm for the game. And that goes back to not just with the players, but, like, some of his timeout use. Like, I pointed out the other night he was calling timeouts um, with 33 seconds left in the third quarter, which to me is dumb because the quarter break's coming. That's just a waste of a timeout. He's called timeouts when the Bulls are on 20-4 to runs this year. When they are rolling and the other team gets fouled and goes to the free throw line, takes one free throw, and instead of just, you know, letting them play on the Bulls, you know, got beat off the dribble once here, keep the rhythm going. No, let's let's take a two-and-a-half-minute TV timeout, basically, here, that Jim Boylan um, is the one who decides to press the button for that. Like, no, let your guys roll. Just go with it. So uh, he just doesn't, to me, feel the game well enough from the bench is my criticism of him. What do you make of the dwindling attendance at the United Center? And do you think that that reaches anyone in the the big offices over there on Madison? Yeah, it is a concern for them. You know, I'm not talking to Jerry Reinsdorf or Michael Reinsdorf, but you talk to any Bull staffers hanging around, um, and they know, like, they'll tell you that that's something that everyone's got a close eye on, no doubt. Because, again, say what you want, like, about winning or losing, but money's the bottom line in any business, and Jerry Reinsdorf's been a really good businessman. So 
Um, anytime his pocketbook um, there gets <laughs> loses some money, he's going to take notice. And I'm not the first media member to say this. Several other people did, but they made note of the fact that, like, the last time the Bulls actually had uh, a change in management from Jerry Krause to John Paxson in April 2003 was right after that attendance dipped pretty sharply. And if you look at that game the Bulls drew 14,775 I think recently was a 15-year low for them and if you track back like that's the 15-year low right after they made the management change last time like they'd had the attendance problem then it hit the low and then Pax started getting that first rebuild going and the team that competed for the playoffs with Heinrich and Dang and those guys and, and put a little respect back on the Bulls name Bulls across the chest as Jim Boylan would say there but it's something uh, that they're definitely taking note of uh, no doubt about that. And it's something that we should seriously keep our eye on for the rest of the year, too. Because, I mean, again, this could get uglier for the Bulls. Like, they can either start winning here and make a little push for the playoffs before the end of the year. Their schedule gets brutally tough and they won't make the playoffs. Let's let's just be clear the way they've gone here. I think they've squandered that opportunity almost entirely. But they can play at a higher level, earn more respect um, from the fan base. But if they keep going this way, it's only going to get uglier in January and February, March, when they play games that aren't meaningful. Is there anything that, if, if a Bulls fan is checked out, if they've checked out, they're not going to the UC, they're not watching games on, on NBC Sports Chicago, is there anything they're missing? Uh, from an on-court basketball perspective, very little right now, the way they're playing. like I think Lowry Markton's development still matters a great deal, and he's been better lately. Uh, I've always enjoyed watching him. I think Wendell Carter Jr. is... A brilliant mind. He's a fun basketball player to watch. I don't think it always shines through enough, but you're not missing a ton. Like Zach Levine's been really hot lately too. Like that's awesome. Like you're you're missing some individual performances, but when it comes to like the beautiful game and seeing a team work together and results on the floor, no. Uh, I actually had a buddy who joked with me like, "What time does Jim Boylan speak pregame?" And then and then. They show all those post-game press conferences. That they stream those live because his comments are like can't miss. So sometimes right now what what it is for the Bulls, <laughs> it's like the, the can't miss stuff is the storylines, like the headlines, what Jim Boylan says, how everyone's reacting, how the locker room's feeling before the game, post-game, um, their, their approach moving forward because the play hasn't been any good. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the can't miss stuff right now for the Bulls is what Jim Boylan said today. Like Bernstein says that all the time. Like Bernstein's always coming up with column ideas, right? And he's like, Jim Boylan talked yesterday. What was he on the record? What were the public comments yesterday? It's like, got to check him out. You know what I mean? You never know what he's going to say, how he's going to rationalize everything. So um, I, they got to take steps more as a team because the product as a unit is not worth watching on a nightly basis, you know, but uh, there's individual guys that are always fun and, you know, the Bulls played a better game against the Clippers on Saturday night, earning a win. They played two and a half, three really good quarters against the Thunder before just an epic collapse in the fourth quarter. So there, there's a few signs here of at least more fun basketball rather than the 73 points I think they threw up on the Hornets, which was really ugly. Uh, but, yeah, they got a lot to prove. Cody, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. I know you got to do all sorts of other stuff for the web. Uh, but I just wanted to also give you a compliment. I think you do a great job covering this team. I appreciate that. And I think that your post-game demeanor, the way you ask questions and the way that you you try to get answers, you do it in a an incredibly respectful but important way. And as someone who is a a fan of media but also a fan of the Bulls, 
I look forward to the questions that you ask because you ask good questions and you have you have facts to back up why you ask the question. Yeah, you know, sometimes I think like everyone on Twitter on our airwaves calling into 670 like I hear what the fans are asking, you know what I mean? I, I love the feedback getting from the fans, like, why'd we do that? Why'd the Bulls do this? You know, what was Jim Boylan thinking? Like, the, sometimes the best questions are just the simplest ones, you know what I mean? And, like, my job is not rocket science, I know that. So if you've got questions you want to ask Bulls fans, feel free to uh, fire away with them because um, you just you need, I think, to understand the pro- thought process from a night-to-night basis because if you don't understand the thought process in one situation – I don't know how any other way how we would measure how Jim Boylan would grow, how Zach Levine would grow, how all these guys would grow if they don't learn um, from the past and um, just kind of um, evolve, I guess, in their thinking as well. At Cody Westerland on Twitter is where you can find him. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. That's Cody Westerland. He covers the Bulls for us at the score and 670thescore.com. Thanks so much for listening to Loho Daily. His coverage is top notch. I'm telling you, I'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.